Mountain people don't have time for dreaming, pick me. Go fetch the water. Her voice was creaky from the cold morning air or perhaps from lack of use. Prudence glumly took the leather bucket and stepped past her foster mother. How do they do it, she marveled, not for the first time. They crept upon her constantly with their noiseless gliding gait. Greetings, apreneurs. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Secrets podcast, the show that uncovers the secrets to win with books beyond book sales and dominate entrepreneurship. Through exclusive author interviews, stories, and must-have resources, you will discover some of the secrets and strategies to thrive with books and generate lasting income. I invite you to become an entrepreneur ambassador and join me in my mission to raise up 10,000 Caribbean entrepreneurs by 2030. Spread the word about the podcast and encourage more people to increase their impact and income with books beyond book sales. To get started, visit entrepreneursecrets.com forward slash resources and download all the resources that you need to become a winning entrepreneur. Without further ado, let's get into the show. It's episode 123 of the Entrepreneur Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, C. Ruth Taylor. Today, we have an exciting interview for you with author of the Run to Freedom series, Dawn Forrester Price. It is a historical novel highlighting the resilience and struggles of an enslaved family on a Jamaican plantation as they plot and plan their escape and uh, it's a three-part series and you don't want to miss that because what I found interesting about this interview is uh, something that we often miss when we focus on book sales only is how a book can create those connections and even in the diaspora as we tell our stories our books uh, help us to preserve our Caribbean connections and to form new connections. And so I don't want you to miss that interview. Also, I'm going to give you a brief update on the Rocket Writing Challenge that's going on right now. When this episode is aired, we would be day six in that challenge. And I am far advanced in the version of this book, Entrepreneur Secrets. So it's going to be updated and expanded. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to be relaunched at the Caribbean Entrepreneur Summit in January 2024. And we're going to be officially launching our Vision 2030 Entrepreneur Campaign to raise up 10,000 Caribbean authors by 2030. I know you've been hearing me talk about it, but we're going to focus a lot on that in the Caribbean Entrepreneur Summit, January 19 to 20 in 2024. So stay tuned. Throughout our lives, we encounter adventures and memorable events. Making the most of these events is key because these adventures create milestones in our lives, and what better way to document these milestones than through books? Milestones, big or small, but they all hold a special place in our hearts. 
The accomplishments may be personal, such as graduating from school or getting a promotion at work. Or they may be shared with others, such as getting married or even having a child. These books can serve as a reminder of the hard work and dedication that went into reaching that goal. They can capture the memories and emotions associated with it, and they can be cherished for years to come. No matter what the milestone is, capture it in a book. All right. So my latest entrepreneurship venture is our rocket writing competition, which is taking place in the Indie Entrepreneurs Facebook group. It is not too late to join, right? Because some persons don't need the entire 30 days to write a manuscript of 10,000 to 30,000 words. And that's either your memoir or any type of nonfiction. And of course, the winner will get a structured edit from me, as well as a consultation session for me to help you to plan the publication and discuss how you're going to utilize that book for greater impact and increased income. And so one of the things we're doing on the challenge that I'm doing to encourage you. I have set up a virtual rocket writing studio and every Thursday at noon central, that's going to be around 11 or 1 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> I am going to be doing a writing sprint for 30 minutes to just boost you and help you. I did that uh, on the 2nd of November and I got almost 2,000 words in. And so it's it's worthwhile. And I want to encourage you to do that. Of course, when the challenge is over, if you want me to do a rocket writing boot camp with you to get your book done in 24 hours, I'm available for that, of course, at a cost. And you will hear more about that in the days and months to come. All right. So that's the latest in terms of my entrepreneurship venture. This is an entrepreneur initiative because it's a book-based initiative around the book, The Rocket Writer, which is free wherever books are sold online. It was published through Draft Digital. So all their aggregate, you know, it's an aggregate distributor. So all their partners would have it. It's also on Kindle for free. And over 300 persons have downloaded it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can get it. It's also in audiobook format, and I have the audio available on YouTube. And the link to that is in the show notes. So, without further ado, let's get into the interview with Dawn Forrester Price. And she's also going to be doing a book reading for us. Today, I have with me Dawn Forrester Price. She's an experienced educator with undergraduate and graduate degrees in English and education from the University of the West Indies and a master's degree in teaching MAT from Coe College, Cedar Rapids. Dawn taught English literature in Kingston and excelled in Jamaican theater and music as a singer, lyricist, and award-winning actor. Having emigrated to the U.S., she taught college-level English and ESL, focusing on drama as a route to communication skills. She wrote and directed and performed educational and religious theater and video productions, including Jamaica Woman. And she's here to tell us all about this journey of preserving Caribbean heritage through literature. Welcome to the show, Dawn. 
Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> yes, it is so good. Now, you have been living in Jamaica for uh, more than two decades. So talk to us. What is it that you miss about Jamaica? I, the first thing that comes to mind is just what it looks like. I mean, it is spectacularly beautiful. And just the trees and the plants, everything from a little tiny shamo lady plant to a big cotton tree and all the, the flora in between, um, listening to the sounds of the birds, um, the color of the dirt and the different types of earth. I miss the sound of the people. I love to hear Jamaicans speak. I just, when I hear Jamaicans speak, I just, it, it, it moves something inside me. You connect with it. You don't realize it so much. Like when I'm here and I have mostly Americans around me, I don't remember how much it means to me to hear a Jamaican voice. And so I guess basically miss everything about home. And I've been here since 1986. So that's a long time. Indeed, that's a very long time. And I suppose that has played a part in the writing of this series, Run to Freedom. Our first national hero, Marcus Garvey, said that people without knowledge of their past, history, origin, and culture um, is like a tree without roots. So talk to us. What prompted you to write this series, Run to Freedom, and what do you hope to accomplish? Well, I I wrote the first book when my two children were young, sort of mm, upper elementary, middle school. Um, they did not grow up in, uh, they grew up in the Midwest and in a city in which there were very few Black people, in fact. And there were no Caribbean people that I knew except this one gentleman from Jamaica. And so this is it. And because we didn't do, um, we went to Jamaica when we could afford it, but it wasn't anywhere near as often. And then, you know, my kids were sort of stereotyped. They're, um, they were not Black enough for the Black kids. They were not white enough for the white kids. They... They felt that they needed to, you know, be fitting into one box or the other. And, and I would say to them, when they ask this very rude question, what are you? I would just say, tell them human. They really were very uncomfortable in many instances because of that. And because people expected one thing from them and got something else from them, there was a social uh, discomfort. And I, you know, I wanted to give them lessons about Jamaica. But, you know, there were kids. I mean, you know, and it wouldn't help them. I couldn't replace my bringing. And so I decided that I would write the story of why I felt so proud of my people. And I chose to write it with the protagonists in their age group so that they could have a vision of what life for them would have been like had they been born a few hundred years ago on a, a plantation in Jamaica or had been brought over from Africa so that they could see there were some serious things that kids their age were facing. And if these kids could 
focus on, on trying to live within the system or trying to escape from the system of, of violence that was visited on families through slavery, then they could do it within their context. And really what it needed was similar types of courage and resiliency and the strength of the family behind you and that is how I, that is why I formulated this book as it was. I wanted it to be a connection for them. And I wanted to share it with their friends, which I got a chance to do because I was um, invited to read the book for, at the schools where they went. Having written that, I found that it was an attractive piece for older. The parents were even more excited and it was not limited to um, West Indians that I shared it with, but all my neighbors and all the people at my church and the people at my school. And, and it was like, oh, Don, I had no idea things were like that. And so the ob object of education that I had started off for my own kids, I was able to expand to other people's kids and other grownups as well. And people kept asking me and asking me about, you know, well, when are we going to have the sequel? What's, you know, when are you going to do that? And I, I really hadn't initially planned to do two of them. And so um, I got to thinking about it and I realized that there was a lot more story to tell. And so from that beginning, I have, I am now working on the, the third book in this Run to Freedom series, which focuses on the young um, Kofi and his sister Prudence, who go through life on the plantation and somehow manage to escape into the hinterland to work with the Maroons. But at the end of their story would be at the end of the Second Maroon War. Then I have the story of their mother, who was born on a ship coming over from Africa. So she's a Creole. So her story and her husband, who was who came over as an adult. And so I'm having a great time just looking at the different experiences of different people coming from a, a variety of backgrounds, all coming together to form families. So um, because I am very family-oriented, as you know, the majority of Jamaicans are sort of so. So set in their families, at least that is my experience. All the processes that families have to go through in order to be successful and to support each other. And sometimes families don't function like they should. So family life is a big thing and personal courage is a big thing. And being able to flex as life changes it offers different opportunities from what you expected. And so, for instance, you know, Prudence was really interested in education, but kind of education she wanted to get, she couldn't get. So is she going to be able to now accept what is available to her and use that to her um, advantage and towards helping the community that she finds herself in? So that's basically, it, it's it's burgeoning. I thought that it was going to close down at the end of the three books, but it's opening up a lot more just in, in terms of this particular set of books and this particular family. There's a lot more to explore. This is not to say I, I don't have other 
you know, books that I have yes. planned yes. to write. I find it totally fascinating as I'm listening to you. This really is a historical <laughs> novel because we are learning about the Jamaican culture. We are learning about our history and development as a people. And we're learning about family and so many lessons there to learn, resilience and all the things, courage, the things that you you, you spoke about. And I love it. Uh, um, I admire the creativity in, in just bringing this world together and doing it so well. The, the reviews that have come are, are very positive. And I'm just going to show our, for those who are watching on screen and those who are listening to the podcast, you can go to forresterprice.com. That is Don Forrester's website where you can also get a free chapter of the book. And we're looking at Hinterland there and uh, um, download the free chapter, Run to Freedom book one is there. And you see Run to Freedom two is available in audio. And it's, the, the first book is available in audio. It's available in paperback. It's available in hardcover and ebooks. So all the versions and you can buy directly from the author. Of course, you know, when you buy direct, you uh, the author gets a higher royalty. It's also on Amazon and the audiobook is on about 42 different platforms. So I, I just find it fascinating and I want to encourage you um, to get the get the book. And I, I, I want to put a plug in here for Dawn in the sense that, you know, every year we, we celebrate independence, we celebrate emancipation. We it's now November and in October we celebrate our heroes and heritage month. This is a good book to if you're in school on Jamaica Day to get it. Um, in the diaspora, when you're having your activities, this is a good book. And you can invite Dawn to come and do a reading. And let's just talk about our history and our achievements as an extraordinary people, not just Jamaicans, but Caribbean people, because this is a Caribbean show. And so congratulations. Can you distinguish between the two books? What's the main feature of Run to Freedom 1 and... Uh, book two, because you talk about book three coming up and the mm -hmm. features of that. But tell us a little bit about book one and two. You know, what are the storylines, the main storylines without giving away too much? Okay. Well, Run to Freedom, the protagonist in Run to Freedom is Kofi, who is the youngest child of the family. But the of course, there are only two kids and, they're, and he is the son of Kwame um, and Dorcas. And he, in this book, is faced with the loss of his dad. Mm -hmm. His father is um, interested in finding a way to get his family out of the clutches of the planters. And he um, manages to make a connection to the Maroons and he tries to escape, but he is killed. Mm. This story focuses on how Kofi, as the young man, feels 
Well, of course, it's now my responsibility to be the man of the house, to take care of my mother and my sister, and to um, to fulfill my father's dreams. Yeah. Well, of course, that's easier said than done. And so he, um, Run to Freedom, follows his um, attempts to escape and his fear, but his courage and how life gives him opportunities to serve not just his family, not just the plantation, but the people in general, the Africans around in various um parts of the country or the countryside in the mountains as well as on the plantations so that's um book number one is Kofi's you know he is out there living his best life but yes. what I like about Kofi is that you know often we will think that people who are courageous are just brave but I think courage really is courage only because we're terrified. If we are just going to be, oh, this is great. I can do that. If we can do that, then it's not really courage. So we have to see the courage that he shows and the love that he has for his mother, his sister, and of course, the people in general. Well, then the second book, the protagonist is his sister, Prudence. And now this is her journey towards freedom and how she is rescued and joins the same uh, group of Maroons as her brother. And her, the evolution of her um, self-discovery as she finds herself away from her mother to whom she was so close. And having to adjust to this new community and not being so sure that this is really such a great idea. Mm. But then, you know, the ups and the downs that you go through when you're far away from home and all of that. It's not that she is perfect. She misses her mom. And then sometimes she's having a fabulous time. And so I think having us understand that the people in the past are really us. And we are the people in the past. And all the same um, elements of courage and fear, conquering uh, trials, all of those that those people needed to have in their untenable situation. We have similar situations in our lives in which we have to draw on those same strengths and we have inherited them from our forebears. And so we're fine. We just need to believe and be faithful and keep pressing forward. And so that's really um, the, the two books in a nutshell. I love it. Um, I love it. <laughs> I love it. There's a lot to, to, to learn there. So books open doors. That's one of my favorite things to say. Mm -hmm. And it's a platform for transformation. Even if you don't sell a million copies, the, the, the fact that you're an author is often a launching pad for so many different things. So how has becoming an author opened doors for you? And can you tell us a little bit about what has happened since becoming an author? And becoming an author of novels is it's different from what the writing that I did before as in writing plays and you know writing lyrics for music and so on but everything that I have written before has been sort of 
um, enfolded in my artistic and religious endeavors. So with the with the chance of drama, it was part of my service and ministry in my church. So I didn't really think about it as being a writer, but it was part of the ministry. And the same thing with the educational programs that I developed and implemented. But uh, now that I have a larger audience, I think that's what it is, because the, the theater in the, the schools was for the school population and the community around. And the same thing with the church, church population, congregation and the, the, the community around. But I find having written these two novels, my audience has expanded and considering how much Zoom and other platforms like this have opened the doors to communicating on a broader basis than before. That has been awesome. Also, I find that I have been um, very fortunate to connect with other uh, a group of other Jamaican writers with whom I just um, uh, finished doing a, a, a book tour and uh, i was in the i was in the position to invite two authors having written their first books to come on the tour with us so not only am i connecting with my audience but i'm connecting with more authors and we're finding that when we make presentations when i get a chance to read in person or um on one of these platforms Something about my voice being able to carry the message is absolutely riveting for some people. And it is a great blessing to me to be able to bring the story because quite frequently we won't listen to a, a, a lecture, but we will certainly listen to a story. We are a storytelling community. The, the Caribbean is full of people who came from Africa who and other places where storytelling was the way that you learned. And so I'm able to do that. That has been, I think, the biggest change. I feel like very personal connection, but with a wider audience and a sense of camaraderie and common purpose with the other authors who I found quite a few of them writing historical, but maybe not as far back as mine, but, you know, in the 60s and in the 50s and so on, and um, exploring our message to our communities, and especially most of them are part of the diaspora like I am. And so often you feel so um, dissociated from the people at home, you know, because you can really only get back to your auntie. Hello, auntie, it's me. How are you doing, darling? But, you know, now I feel like I have a better opportunity to reach a broader audience there. So I think that that's basically, I'm inspired to do more outreach and, you know, to do like the school tours and so on, because there's a new generation of, of kids, <laughs> you know, and their yeah. teachers and their parents. Yeah. So there's always room to share tales and share stories and, and establish common ground, which in today's world is even more imperative that we, you know, I mean, when I moved to America, people would, would ask me things like, well, what's it like to be a Jamaican or 
And they always were focusing on the differences. And I would never start at the differences. I would always start at the common ground because I don't want to be othered and I don't want to other them. I want us to establish common ground. And then you can get to the, and guess what we do that you guys don't do, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting rather than, boy, are you weird? You know, so I think establishing common ground is the best place to start. We go back to what you said at the beginning about when you're in the U.S. that you're you 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 miss what you miss about Jamaica is it may not have been intentional, but what has happened is that this book is helping you to build the community and the connections. Yes, definitely. You, you, definitely. you missed back home, establishing yes. common ground. I yes. love it. I love it. And so we want to leave this program knowing that your book can help you to build a community. It's not just oh, about yes. sales. It can help yes. you to build a community, establish common ground, build camaraderie. And uh, I, I am just excited about that insight coming out of this interview. And I'm going to ask you to do something that is unprecedented on this podcast because um, you mentioned it and I was thinking about it. Would you mind reading a little from your book? Pick any one of them, hinterland or run okay. to and just read a portion for us. This is from Hinterland. Prudence is on the mountain with a family that she's staying with. And the lady, her name is Miss Matty, stared at her expressionlessly. Mountain people don't have time for dreaming, pick me. Go fetch the water. Her voice was creaky from the cold morning air or perhaps from lack of use. Prudence glumly took the leather bucket and stepped past her foster mother. How do they do it? She marveled, not for the first time. They crept up on her constantly with their noiseless gliding gait. And while she seemed to make enough noise for a whole platoon of redcoats just walking in her bare feet. I must learn how to do that walk. As for speaking, Prudence was bewildered by the different languages she heard when people did speak. Taino, Miskito, Hausa, Igbo, Fulani, Yoruba, Chui, and Spanish. She was itching to learn, but was sure no one would take the time to teach her. She would have to keep her ears big to pick up the meaning of the other speech. In the meantime, she could practice her walking. Prudence arrived at the stream in the cockpit bottom where the Maroons drew their water every day. She splashed along in the stream bed to the spot where the spring rushed over a pile of rocks and pooled at the bottom of the small cataract. Standing in the middle of the little pool, she enjoyed the feel of the sand shifting between her toes. The bucket filled up from the natural spout. Prudence turned toward the bank, hefting the brimming vessel. Lounging on the bank, looking as though he'd lain there for days, was her brother, dark eyes twinkling. His smooth, chocolate-colored face was framed by short, spiky curls. Kofi, it's when you get here. Been watching you the whole time. He grinned and flipped over onto his belly, patting the earth beside him in an invitation for her to sit. 
how you do it. I've been practicing, but I just can't move as quietly as these people. You can do it. What do you think Papa was teaching me all those Sunday morning when we used to wake up before day and cross the river to hunt the birds? Oh, you think we escape from the watchers and come back? At least you fit in with these mountain people better than me. They just don't seem to ever make any noise. Remember how we used to play ring games? You and Morgan used to spin your gig and steal away to the blue hole for a swim. We had to keep quiet except in the great house. Remember the day when we first come to this maroon town? Just thinking about it made me here stand on end. Fool, fool, picnic, you're here always standing on end. But Kofi, it was so strange. You were brave and strong prudence, a proud of you. But now that I have to dig in the fields and do all the battle drills and all the cooking and the cleaning, men do anyway. And I was made to be a hunter, sis. Hunt and fight. That's what we do. Prudence poked him in the side and he stifled a laugh. He had always been ticklish. Serious man, I don't think I'm going to get on here, Kofi. They want me to learn how to shoot and fight with cutlass. What about bow and arrow and lance? Them too. But all I ever wanted to do was read books and get learning. Not what the mountain people call learning, Kofi. Yes, I know that they give the learning every day, but... I haven't seen one single book since I've been here. Kofi's smile faded. I know it's hard, though. But Papa gave his life trying to reach these people. And I follow his dream to bring us here. I know how you miss Mama. But she wanted us to get away from the plantation, too. Don't worry. I will go back and get her. We're going to be a family again. I love it. That was riveting. Thank you so much. So any final <laughs> words for our aspiring authors who perhaps are thinking of writing historical novels or Caribbean people in the diaspora who are nostalgic? What, what would you yes. advise them? Well, I think once you can be clear about your area of interest, it might be something that you don't have to research. It might be, it might be a memoir. It might be a part of your own life. Um, I am very much into verisimilitude. If I'm going to write something, it must be true. Whether it's fiction or not, the truth must be there. I don't, you know, in order to have a successful book, your uh, characters must live in a world that makes sense to them. And so when you are bringing your readers in, establish the world. Now, because I have been writing historical fiction, I have to do research to make sure that I have the right time and what were they doing exactly on this date and so on and so forth. But you don't have to do that. As a writer, I have found that reading, um, exposing myself to especially when I have a focus, exposing myself to whatever I can get before I decide on the parameters of the story 
And then having decided on the parameters of the story, you may have to stop in the middle of your plotting to do some research too. So observe, learn, and most of all, listen. I think we need to listen outside as well as inside. I have to listen to that still small voice. I have to listen for the sounds of my ancestors and how they felt. And how do I find out how they felt? I look inside and I say, what would I have done? Would I have felt? What would have been the best thing for me to aspire toward? Because as I say, they are us and we are they. Wow, this felt like a Wakanda moment. (laughs) Or it should be a Jamaica forever moment. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Tell us where we can find out more about you and um, your resources. Okay, so um, back on my uh, Forrester Price publishing website, www.forresterprice.com. You can order the book on Amazon or at any other bookstore. If you would like to get in touch with me and ask me questions, just go to the website and and send me an email through that website. Because yeah. <laughs> I really am ready to make as many connections, personal connections. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook. Tell us your Facebook um, name. It's just on Forrester Price. So thank you, Miss Dawn, for such an enthralling session. And we wish you all the best with your book. Thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. Bless you. I trust that you enjoyed that interview. And it has inspired you to write your own story and to use a book to build those Caribbean connections and educate people about our Caribbean heritage especially if you are living in the diaspora. We need to write a story so that the next generation can be familiar with their history, their origin and culture, so they can have deep roots and um, be grounded in their identity. Just reminding you that of the making of books, there is no end. Go pen it to win it and dominate entrepreneurship. Ta for now, until next time.